this is lesson five I've been talking about, uh, just how to enhance your personal devotional life. Really, really, the, the hub of your spiritual life ought to be a particular time that you take each day. My encouragement, <clears throat> I think there's this biblical precedent to do it in the morning, and I've talked about that the past number of weeks. If you've missed any of these, you can go back online and all of the information is there. I do encourage you to get the notes. I'm not sure how much I'm going to follow them tonight. I've added a few things, but I've got some other things I may share. But um, tonight I want to hone in on, on uh, and we're talking about five keys to developing your prayer life. We've talked about how to get in the Word, how to read the Bible where it's effective, uh, and just how to make that something that really, if you do it right, uh, you can motivate yourself until you can't wait to get up in the morning. It may sound odd, but I got there and it took me a while, but it's incredible once you once you develop that habit of early rising and then spending time with God, it can become a really amazing time. But you have to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Paul says, one translation, First Peter, First uh, Timothy 4, uh, 7, I think. So dip, discipline yourself. Tonight, we, we started last uh, Wednesday talking about, you know, just some simple things about prayer. Uh, I could teach um, many hours on prayer, but I'm just trying to get some highlights on, on how to have an per effective personal prayer life and how that works. Uh, uh, your uh, initial steps in praying, if you really get serious in prayer, will be stumbling, will be halting, you know, it'll be hit and miss. And that's just the way life is, you know, where uh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, but we're not. And so you just keep all that, keep yourself aware of that. There's a couple of quotes here about prayer that I have kept in my archives and think about them along and along. Samuel Chadwick um, of yesteryear said this, Satan fears nothing from prayerless studies, teaching and preaching. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Isn't that great? D.L. Moody, those who have left the deepest impression on this sin-cursed earth have been men and women of prayer. E.M. Bounds, who was a Methodist pastor and uh, wrote a lot of books on prayer, said this, how we estimate, this is challenging, how we estimate and place prayer is how we estimate and place God. To give prayer a secondary place is to make God secondary in life's affairs. Ouch. So the bottom line is we need to pray. We need to learn to pray. Prayer, uh, Kenneth Hagin's got a book, The Art of Prayer, changed the name some years ago was um, the art of intercession, then he called it the art of prayers, but it's an art. You got to learn how to pray. It's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world to learn. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 5 through 8, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, uh, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So you don't pray, pray for so others can hear you. You pray so God can hear you. So he says, but you, when you pray, go into your room. That word for room is the word bedchamber is the most private room in a home of that day. And when you shut your door, pray to your father who's in secret, in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And he went on further and said, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them for your father knows the things you need, have need of before you ask him. So Again, prayer is an art that has to be learned. I think I'm going to do this, um, and we'll, we'll play with the notes and see how we go. I do encourage you to get my notes and look at them, because I'm going to refer to a couple of things there in just a minute. But uh, before I go there, I want to uh, go to my Kindle books, which are right here. 
And uh, there is a book, and I've mentioned this many times, and if you pray in our prayer meetings, and I encourage you to come when you can, we have uh, noon prayer meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then pre-service at 8.15. If you come early, come to our prayer meeting. You say, why? I don't like to pray. Well, learn to pray. You need to pray. I don't care if you don't like to pray. You need to pray, you know? Uh, you say, well, the devil will tell you it's a waste of time. Uh, but see, he says that because he doesn't want you to pray because it hinders his kingdom when you do. And it causes God to work on your behalf when you do, right? So, so come and pray with us. Anyway, uh, the book In His Presence is a book that I've read numerous times, umpteen times, so to speak, in our prayer meetings. I usually read a little something before I pray, even in our prayer meetings, because it kind of gets your spirit ready to pray. Uh, and you'll find you'll get further. But um, E.W. Kenyon, in his book, In His Presence, chapter 2, uh, is entitled The Prayer Habit. And I really, 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 this is one of my favorite chapters in the book. There are two chapters I've read, three chapters in this book I've read, you know, over a period of 40-something years. I wouldn't be exaggerating to say over 100 times. Oh, it's crazy. So I love this. Prayer should be as natural as breathing. Again, this is E.W. Kendi in chapter 2 in his presence. Prayer should be as natural as breathing and as enjoyable as eating. Don't you like that? Prayer should be as unconscious as our communication with one another. It should not be a child of need, but should be based on spiritual fellowship with the Father and with the Master so that our needs are His needs. For we are not our own, we're part of Him. Our body is not our own. The property we control is not our own. Our abilities are not our own. They are all His. So we're laboring together with Him, and what we have considered personal needs are really His needs. I like that, don't you? Uh, the work we're doing is His work, so that prayer is not what we thought it was. It's a fellowship, a sharing, a community interest. We are one in this, just as the vine and the branch are one. The branch cannot bear fruit alone, John 15 he's referring to, and the vine cannot bear fruit without the branch. So prayer is simply talking it over with Him, getting His views his will, his plans, and carrying out those plans with his grace, ability, and wisdom. Habits, and I like this, habits are children of our choice. We are what we make ourselves. This prayer habit will be born out of your own will. And then he says this, which is very true. Uh, this habit is hard to form for most people. It should never be a duty for just as we do not enjoy those who visit because it's their duty, so it is with the Father. We want those who love us to come because they cannot help it. Prayer is a visit with our Father. We should think of it as a rare opportunity. I think I may come back. Uh, there's, a, a, there's more to this, and uh, I may come back, uh, see what kind of time I have left, and read some of that. If you don't, I'll do it another time. But, uh, um, so, so developing prayer life is a bit of a challenge because, and I'll get mentioned this last week, because you can't see God. Uh, your feelings often don't feel him, but he's there and he never changes and he doesn't go anywhere. And he's always aware of you at all times. So, you know, part of us disciplining our, our person, our, our, our personhood, our natural man, just to be aware that even though God is invisible, he's just as real as the chair you're sitting in, the room you occupy. He's just as real as anything you, your senses can detect. In fact, he's more real because those things will one day be consumed. But he is always a standard, right? And, you know, something that you've got to learn. So I've talked about um, five keys for developing your prayer time. I've, I've mentioned two 
last week, and then we got off a little bit on purpose because the Lord really emphasized something. Now, the first thing is to stay alert and awake when you pray. So I talked about that last week. Go back and listen. I don't have time to cover it tonight. Then second uh, point in developing your prayer time is relate to God on the basis of his word. I don't relate to God by feelings. I relate to God based on what he said about himself. Feelings come and feelings go, but he absolutely doesn't change. We'll come back to that in another vein in just a minute. Thirdly, tonight, and I think I covered this last time, so I'll just hit the high spots on this and move on to something else. The third uh, component of developing a personal time, you got to open your heart up to God. And, you know, just as uh, just as in the natural, you know, you develop relations, you got varying kinds of relationships with people. You've got people that you are, uh, you know, casual friends with. That is, you say hi, you know them, you know where they live, you know where they work, you may know their children, or you may have other people that you know, and maybe they're acquainted more than friends. They're probably more like acquaintances at work, and you know their name, you know what they do on the job, you know what expertise they have, you carry on conversations with them, you may know who they're married to, their children, yada, yada. Uh, but you don't know them in a deep way. You just kind of are casual friends. Then, and then you have other people in your life who you spend more time with. And the way it is with all of us, the more time you spend with some, somebody, the more you get to know them and the closer you get, right? And, and that's the way it is with the Lord. But, but see, what we do, and I mentioned this last week, is, is we have a tendency to put walls around us so, 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 so that we don't get hurt, so we don't reveal things that people would think lesser of us about. We take, tend to take those mental and relational habits into our fellowship with God. And, and I had to hit, and, and it's like, you, you, you got to cross this barrier. And, and I'll, you know, for me, I can relate it. When I met Susan, Susan was so quiet. Now, she ain't quiet if you know her. <laughs> but when I met Susan, you know, God gave me the verse, 1 Peter 3, 4, uh, meek and quiet spirit. She, I said, Susan, you've got a meek and quiet spirit. Well, I found that she's not quiet. But when I first met her, she was really reserved. You know, we talked We talked after Bible school, actually, in the cold in, in February of 1977, November, December, January, February. And that's how we met standing outside talking in the cold. And when I, when I started, when I asked her out sometime later and we were sitting in the car, we would have times of silence because both of us still kind of had the walls up. And, you know, I, I wanted to know if she liked me, but there was a day, there, there was a day that we were sitting, she had just bought a, uh, well, actually, this is before she bought her Camaro. Anyway, I think we were in a Camaro. Anyway, she had bought a new Camaro, was sitting there, and uh, she let me drive her car, it's all motor. And uh, we're sitting there talking, you know, just started dating, and uh, I just stuck my hand right over there and touched her hand. The moment I touched her hand, she grabbed mine. I thought, oh, Jesus. We just went to another level right here, you know. And you know what happened? You know, you know what happened? The, the walls came down, and we started talking. And she found out I cared about her, and she cared for me. And you know, it didn't. It took the. You, you've had those kind of things happen to you, and and even with friendships, it's that way. You're not going to hold a friend's hand, but you know, you, you'll have a, a, a time in your conversation with someone that you, you have this barrier, and then something happens, and you're vulnerable. You open up. You got to do that with God. You got to find a way to do it, and. Uh, me, I, I, maybe it was just the school of hard knots. Once I found out that God loved me, and, and that was a big problem, not everybody has the same issues, but we have similar issues. For me, my issues were inferiority, 
uh, in lots of ways uh, because of the way I was raised. And an inferiority particularly towards God because I thought his standards were so high that I could never attain to them. When I, when I found out he didn't lower his standards, but he raised me up. See, God doesn't lower his standard for you. He makes you like him. He seats you with Jesus in heavenly places. He forgives your sin. He acts towards you like you never did wrong. He acts towards you like you're the apple of his eye, like you're the most important person in the world. I didn't know that to start with. I was raised in churchianity, religiousness, and it was snooty and strange. But when I found out that God accepts you, he doesn't accept what you do that's wrong, but he accepts you. And he looks beyond your needs and looks beyond your, your you know, frailness and your frailty and the things you do wrong. And he loves you. And once I got past that, there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. And once you know that, once you really get a hold of righteousness, righteousness is the ability to stand before God. Just as though sin, condemnation, and inferiority had never even been a part of your life. Somewhat like, you know, you've got children, grandchildren. I just love children because they're, they're so at ease with themselves and others most of the time. Uh, some of them are a bit squeamish. But, you know, a child that, you know, has... Uh, has a person, you've seen the child has personality, just loves everybody and he trusts everybody and he believes, I've seen those, you've seen those kind of children. God wants you to be that kind of child. In fact, Jesus said, except you be converted and become his children, you won't see the kingdom of God. So there's something about opening your heart to God. Once you learn how to do that, and I had to do that, once you learn, boy, it's a, it's a, it's a, a steady increase of, in an experience in praying. God wants honesty he wants our, until you're really honest with God. You got to cross that barrier. You know, the white elephant in the room, everybody knows the stuff is there in a dysfunctional family, but nobody will talk about it. You got to do that with God. You know, he knows the things that you uh, fall over, you trip over. He knows the anger, the sensitiveness. He understands, you know, the things you fall into the flesh's trap with. And see, when you go to God, if you learn to say, God, I'm... I, Okay, I got it. We got to talk. I'm having a trouble right here. And the first time I did that, something broke. And once it broke the first time, and that was in 1976 when I was just doing my first really stumbling, halting moments of praying by myself in my bedroom, in my parents' home. Once I started to, I'd never, you know, if you've never done that, it's, we, I had never done that in my life. That is, opened my heart to someone. I never did that with my parents. I never did with that with my siblings, with my cousins, with my friends. I never opened my heart. But the moment I opened my heart to God, it's something I had never experienced before. And once you go there, it's like, it's, it's like a crack in the dam. And it just gets wider and then the dam goes away. And then there's full fellowship. So um, uh, Jeremiah 29, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future, a hope. Then you'll call upon me and go and, and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And I love verse 13, it's often quoted, and you'll seek and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And then I found uh, many years ago, back in the 80s, uh, Psalm 90, verse 8, Amplified Old Testament, which really grabbed me the first time I read it was maybe 1985, and it grabbed my heart, our iniquities, it says. An iniquity is a bend to do wrong. An iniquity, when I think of the word iniquity, I think of a tree 
that we had planted in our backyard some years ago, and, um, and the sun would set in the west, and so the tree would have a tendency to grow towards the light. And so the person that put, you know, planted the tree put a, put a cord on it and staked it to where it stays up. An iniquity is like the bend of a tree or bend of a bush. It bends a certain way. You have a, you have a proclivity to act a certain way, to do a certain thing. That's iniquity. Something that you easily stumble over and you would do it over and over again. That's iniquity. Well, so he says here, our iniquities, those bends we have, uh, our secret heart and its sins. See, there's some things that you don't reveal to a living soul, right? He says, which we would like to, to conceal even from ourselves. You have set in the revealing light of your countenance. And that's a big deal right there. So what that verse is saying is, I, I can't hide. Uh, one of the scriptures I had to memorize in one of the Bible school classes in the 70s was Hebrews 4, 13. Neither is any, cre any creature not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of whom, of him with whom we have to do. So, wow, you get the idea that you're naked before God. It's vulnerable, right? So, so this verse, uh, once you see that, and once you know that he knows everything about you, you can't hide. Darkness doesn't hide. Covers don't hide. A closet doesn't hide. He sees. Once you see that, you know, it kind of makes you like, okay, God, can we talk? And he'll almost say, that's what I've been waiting for. So once you go there, really, so, so if you've not done that, I dare you to do it. Uh, the first time you do that, it's a challenge. Uh, you may break out and sweat. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can do this. God, well, just try. And once you do, tell him the things that bother you that nobody knows about the things that you've said, the things that you've done. When I first did this, I literally had a knot, an emotional knot in my throat when I came to Jesus. And it lasted for a while because I just kept everything inside. And if you're a person that keeps everything inside, it eventually will affect you physically, right? That's what the book of Proverbs is very clear about. So, you know, I had to let it out. Once I began to let it out, that emotional knot eventually just kind of faded away. But the challenge was being honest. And once you do that, open your heart. When you open your heart, you can tell him everything. Once you tell him everything, you can ask him to do anything. Right? So if you tell him everything, ask him to do anything. If there's a part of you you don't like, uh, say, God, help me, to, help me to resolve that. Help me to overcome that. If there's an iniquity in your life, a bend, something that, you know, maybe it's a gossip, maybe it's anger, maybe it's... Uh, you know, being too mouthy, too wordy. Maybe it's being too forward. Maybe it's uh, not being forward enough. Maybe it's being too shy. Whatever it is, pour your heart out and say, God, this is a problem for me. And can, can you help me with this? And see, when you begin to pour your heart out like that, it's amazing. Maybe you're having challenges with your children. Maybe you have young children and you struggle with this or that. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's finances. Maybe you overspend or whatever. Or maybe you don't spend enough. It could be anything. That's what I'm trying to say. You get it? Once you go to God and you have that confidence that he hears and the confidence that he will respond, prayer can be an amazing time in your day. And I've learned to make prayer a time where I uh, get rid of anything that would be worry. Worry is a sin. Worry is something that we, uh, we can easily fall prey to. And I was a worry wart when I came to Jesus. But Philippians 4, 6 goes right in line with opening up and exposing all of your insides to him. Don't worry over anything whatever. 
J.B. Phillips translation. I've said it so many times. Tell God every detail of your need in sincere, earnest or sincere and thankful prayer. So again, to me, that's the antidote for worry. Don't worry. Okay, what do I do? Tell God every detail. So when I first read that and I had to fast forward, I started praying in 76 by the mid 80s. I really uh, was still stumbling and halting, honestly, in my prayer life. I mean, I'd been to two Bible schools and Susan and I had been married a few years, had no children. And, you know, God had answered prayer and done some amazing things in our lives. And we were very grateful. And I was in, in an element of ministry, wasn't in a, a ministry capacity at the church I worked out. I was a janitor. But I can really begin in earnest to develop a a synced prayer life where every day I was praying at the same time. And you won't get far in prayer unless you work on it. Think about, um, so related to sports, um, uh, I like to play tennis. I replace tennis, honestly, with, with bike riding, long distance biking, because it takes so long to do that. But when I played tennis, the only way you get proficient at tennis is you got to practice. So I'd get on the practice court. I'd just beat, I'd, you know, there's a practice court has a wall. And you just beat that wall. And I'd beat those because sometimes I didn't have anybody I could practice with. If I did, I'd practice constantly. And the more you practice with any sport, where it's baseball or football or tennis or whatever, the better you get, right? Same way with musical instruments. If you want to get proficient, you just got to practice. Somebody said practice makes perfect, but really perfect practice makes perfect. You just got to keep working on it. But, but you think, think, I know, I, I want you, you to relate this to your prayer life. Prayer to begin with will be halting and stumbling. It's like... I don't know how you do this. Just keep at it. Just do it. You'll have good days, bad days. But you know what? As you get into it and you just don't quit and do it every day, you'll get to the point that you start having some really amazing times in God. You'll always have those dry days and flat days. And I still have those. And I've been doing this this year. What is it? 40, uh, 48 years this year. I mean, I still have those days. But you know what? You have some amazing times in God. So, Again, open your heart to God. Number four on this, and I mentioned this last time, we change, he never changes. And when you're praying, you just got to know that he is the constant in the room, and I'm the person that's changeable. If I always know he's the constant, that is, when I think about God being constant, he's always smiling, he's always available. It is as though he's bending his ear with his hand, cupping his ear, if you could imagine that, and he's ready to hear and he's smiling, what can I do for you today? Because Hebrews 14, 4.16, let us come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. I think Amplified says appropriate and well-timed help coming just when we need it, right? And so if you know that about God, then you can go to him. Uh, three verses here, Malachi 3, 6, they're in my mind constantly. I am the Lord, I do not change. So when I get up and I don't feel good, I remind myself God's constant. He never changes. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you may be having a sorry day, but he never has a bad one. That is, your emotions are, are, are doing, playing tricks on you. Your mind's playing tricks on you. God will never play a trick. He's always the same. And then James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of the heavenly bodies. It's talking about the fact that there are seasons to the year. We have four seasons here in North Carolina. Uh, winter, spring, summer, fall. And, uh, and, and so, you know, the, the, the moon phases change. The, the, the sun changes in the sky according to the time of the year. And that's what he's saying here. 
Uh, every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of the heavenly bodies with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He doesn't change. So you just got to know that about God. And let me tell you what happens if you've had uh, whoever were, were your care providers as a child, probably mom, dad, you may have had, like I mentioned last time, absent fathers, absent mothers, or maybe there was a divorce in the home, you were in a one-parent home, or maybe your a, a problem today is parents are so occupied with so many things and they're obsessed and they're not paying a lot of attention sometimes to their children. That can make a child feel unloved, uncared for, like they're an afterthought. And, and, and they can really have, the, the, as they get older, they'll have to overcome those things. So you just got, and you can bring that into your, your life with God if you have any idea that the persons that are overseeing you have, um, have, have not really been there completely, you know, emotionally, mentally. See, so when you go to God, you'll, you'll have this backdrop of thought that he doesn't really care. You got to get over that. And that's where mind renewal comes in, right? So spend a lot of time the In Christ Scriptures, my book, the book I wrote a few years ago, the, the very back of it, I've got In Christ, In Him, In Whom, Through Christ, you know, all those scriptures about who we are in Jesus in the back. If you'll meditate those scriptures, you know, they'll help you. If you're, if you're having a hard time with really the concept that God cares, He loves me. And here's the issue. Can, can you say this with confidence? God loves me no matter what I do. Now, what that doesn't say is God accepts everything I do. He loves me in the middle of what I may be doing. It may be wrong and it may hurt my life, but he'll love me. And see, if I know that about God, then when I mess up, I can go right to him and say, we got to talk, right? So, so uh, again, he changes. We, he doesn't change. We do. So um, years ago, uh, and, and let me tell you what happened. Um, I was struggling with me because I'm so changeable. And we're not the same. We, we, our emotions are constantly playing on us, right? And particularly when you're young. Teenagers are extremely emotional because their bodies are changing and they're still growing and all that. And the hormones are racing. And it's just a nutty time anyway. So uh, when I came to the Lord as a teenager, I mean, your emotions are up and down constantly and never, never two days are the same. So uh, when it came to God and praying, I stumbled, I said, God, I've got to find some way that I know that you're a constant, know that you do not change. And I come across the scriptures just uh, in listening to uh, people preach. My, my pastor, I, I lived in Tulsa, I think at the time, I go to seminars as well. And uh, I came across these scriptures and I began to compile scriptures that, that showed the integrity of God in his word, that he's always the same, that he always honors his word, and that he's always, he never changes. And uh, in the notes online, it, and I've shared these so many times, go get those scriptures because those are the ones that I, I quote to myself almost every day. And I've done that for 40-something years. And let me tell you, if you'll get the word of God planted in your heart about the integrity of God's word, that God will always do what he says, that he plays no favorites, that he loves you to pieces. If you'll get that cemented inside of you and the fact that he answers prayer, then see, so can, we can overcome the tendency to live by feelings instead of faith. And it's living by faith that helps us overcome. Is that true? 
And see, that helps the prayer life more than anything. The bottom of the notes, I've got the whole list. I rattle them off regularly. If you come to our prayer meetings, I will read that list on a fairly consistent basis every few weeks because that's what we do. I've done that all my life, and it's done me good with developing my personal prayer life. Does that make sense? So again, I mentioned this last week. You're going to have prayer days that seem flat that you just don't connect, that is normal, that is human. Sometimes it's the atmosphere, sometimes you're upset about something, you know, sometimes there's a big disappointment in your life, or sometimes you're just stinking tired and you don't feel it, right? And we all have those things. You just press through those days. So, you know, for me, some, so I have a great devotional time sometimes, sometimes it's really amazing, and then other times it's just not so great, and it's, it's not God, it's me. And so in those times, forgive yourself and just keep moving along. Just don't stop what you're doing. Anybody that's proficient in any area of life has a bad day. Everybody. It's impossible to be a human and not have a challenging day because we live in a fallen world, right? So let yourself off the hook and don't be so perfectionistic about yourself, right? Right? Say, I make a decision. Not going to be perfectionistic about me. Yeah, and I live that one out, right? So uh, anyway, let me also, if this is in my notes, it is more important to maintain a daily fellowship with God uh, than to pray and fast for a week. What you think about that? It would be better to have a consistent time with God in the word and prayer every day than to pray and fast for a whole week. Well, you think, well, well, that would show my true spirituality for praying fast for a week. No, no, you know, you might be denying yourself. But what's harder is to keep something consistent, All right? So, so work on that. The fifth thing, the last thing about prayer uh, is include variety in your praying. Uh, Ephesians 6, 18, this is Amplified New Testament, says this, pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit, with all manner, watch, with all manner of prayer, and entreaty. Now that leads to the idea that there's different ways of praying, different kinds of praying. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, uh, interceding in behalf of all saints, God's consecrated people. So again, there are different kinds of prayer. When I do teaching on prayer, it's been several years since I did a teaching on prayer on Sunday mornings. Uh, I think it should, hopefully it's on our website. Um, you know, there's the prayer of worship, there's the prayer of faith, there's the prayer of agreement, there's united praying the scripture speaks of, there's the prayer of intercession where you take someone's place, there's the prayer of consecration where you, you give yourself to God and, and talk to him about the things that you need to change. You, you, you're involved in all of those things, all of those things at some point will be involved in our personal prayer life, not necessarily every day. And, and there are days I get up and, and, you know, the moment I get up, I read my Bible and then I go to pray and it's like, whoa, whoa, somebody's on my mind and, and I've got two or three people. And often when God wants you to pray, you'll see a face. I see their face. It's like, well, what you want me to pray for them for? I don't know. So I'll pray in the spirit. And then as I'm praying in the spirit, intercession comes, supplication comes and it's fervency and you feel that somebody's in need or in danger or there's a problem. And, and, and God uses you to pray. Other times when you go to pray, sometimes I have had times I sang most of the time because I could hear him say, I just want you to sing to me today. And it wasn't necessarily so much for him as it was for me because sometimes we get in, y'all ever get in the works mentality? Feel like you got to work everything out? See, when I go there, it's like God said, won't you just sing a while today? 
You think your big old praying is going to do everything for you? It's me. It's not your praying. Yes, your praying opens you up, but it's me that answers your prayer. Don't forget, right? And so if you're like me, I like patterns. Do you like patterns? I can make things into a pattern. You can make your life, prayer life into a pattern to the point that you're just going through the ropes, going through the motions, and your heart's not involved. And so for me, I'm serious. There's times I sing. Usually, I, in fact, I started this morning. I sang a couple of songs to the Lord. But there are times I'll just go right through it and, uh, and just sing for a good long while. In fact, most of the time. You think, is that an effective prayer? Prayer is fellowship with God. If you're fellowshipping with God, you're tuning yourself up. You're charging your spiritual battery. You're getting yourself ready for the day, the moments of the day, right? So let variety be a part of that time is all I'm saying. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 15, what is the conclusion then, Paul said? I'll pray with the Spirit. I'll pray with the understanding. I'll sing with the Spirit. I'll sing with the understanding. So, you know, I usually, again, um, to make this practical as I close up here, um, I, I really, uh, in my personal prayer life, I, I usually start out singing, worshiping. I lift my hands and just thank God and worship a little while. And, and often, you know, um, we live in an ungrateful time. Would you agree? And one of the reasons to go back to Romans 1.18, uh, people get into depravity, is because they lose their thankfulness and appreciation for what they have. And they begin to expect that they deserve certain things. It's a bad idea. So for me, I mean, I spend time... Just in thankfulness, Lord, thank you. Sometimes I'll take the years, as you age, you can take the years and then sometimes the decades of life. Say, you know? so, Lord, you know you brought me through. I just want to thank you, sir. You've answered prayer. You've done this, 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 this. That's part of prayer time. Then I have other parts of my prayer time when I just take the scriptures and say, Lord, you know this about me, but I want to say this out loud because in front of you, I, I, I want to remind myself of who you made me. I'm a new creature in Christ. I just go through some of the scriptures. I quote them out loud right in front of God. Say, God, this is my basis of relating. And this is my basis of relating to me. And when you go there, what are you doing when you do that? You're stirring your spirit nature up. Most of us, our minds control us completely. Mind, will, emotions, right? See, God wants our spirit nature to control us. And if my spirit person controls me, then the intuitive part of me is in charge, not the mental part. So ask yourself while I'm talking, trying to get to a grand close here, ask yourself this, does my mental person control me or does my spiritual person control me? So does intuition does that inner knowing, does that grab you? Does the word of God rule you inside? Does the word of God cancel out all of the negative thoughts and feelings that come? If not, you could be a mental-based person instead of a spiritually-based person. Yes or no? If you then be risen with Christ, Christ seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, Colossians 3. Set your mind. See, it's a direction of focus your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you're dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Those verses right there, I wake up at night sometime and I'll just take those two, three verses right, and I just let them go in, in me. Say, God, work that in me. Why? For if prayer to be effective and for your life to be worthwhile, we got to get above reasoning. We got to get to the point that our intuition rules us. We, we don't turn our minds off. 
but we let intuition tell us the direction, the tone, the emphasis of everything we do all day. How many understand that? And see, that starts in our prayer life. So I pray for all, in my prayer life, I, I pray about all kinds of things. Unless the Holy Spirit's doing something unusual, I have patterns. We have the pattern in 1 Timothy 2. I exhort, therefore, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, the giving of thanks be made for all men. Then it says for kings and all that are in authority, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So it's always right to pray for authorities. And I do it just about every day. It's right to do that because the, the enemy's always seeking to make inroads into the, into the um, political persuasions of any culture. And he's got some deep inroads in America right now. And I've been praying deeply about this for a long time. How many understand what I'm saying? So in my prayer time, I pray about all that. Let me also say, and I'm going to start here next week and share some things and maybe field some questions. So if you've got questions about just your prayer life and how it works and maybe some, some struggles you have, bring them next week because I've got some more things I want to cover in a practical way about spending time with God in prayer. Let me end by saying this, and I'll start here next week and try to get more practical about the ingredients of a really good prayer life, uh, personal prayer time. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you don't pray in the Spirit, start to pray in the Spirit every day. If you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, get yourself down here and let me pray for you. I'll lay my paw on you. God will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you, praying in the Spirit has been such a, a boon and a, an, a, an assist in my personal uh, private life that I just couldn't imagine walking with God without being able to pray in the Spirit because it's the perfect way to pray. You're praying about things you need to pray about when you exhaust your mental resources and you don't know how to pray. Sometimes situations hit you on the job with your family, with your marriage, with people, with relationships, with things you deal with in life. Say, God, I don't even know how to pray about that. Just pray in the Spirit. And often I say, God, I'm praying in the Spirit about this, this, and this. I don't know how to pray. Help me pray. And then often as I'm praying in the Spirit, things come to my mind that I need to pray about, right? So take some time every day. We'll take up here next time. Take some time every day in your personal prayer time to pray in the Spirit. I do both. I pray in the English. If all you do is pray in the Spirit, you're missing a lot of your prayer life. And some people, a lazy, say this one, a lazy believer will just pray in the Spirit and hardly do any other kind of praying. Don't be lazy. Don't be mentally lazy. Don't be spiritually lazy. Be spiritually astute. How? Pray with your mind. Pray about things you need to pray about. Pray about others first. We'll go here next week. But then pray. Pray about things that affect you too. And then pray in the Spirit. Pray with the understanding. So if you're not accustomed to praying in the Spirit, start. And uh, I got so much to say about that. I'm wanting to go another 20 minutes. I'm going to stop right now. And we'll take it next time. How many will be willing to pray in the Spirit every day? I won't ask for a show of hands, but ask yourself, do I pray in other tongues every day? I'm not talking about on the way. to. I pray in the Spirit in my truck all the time. And I pray under my breath a lot in the Spirit. When I, I walk most day, I walk two miles, to, almost three miles today. I prayed in the Spirit just about the whole time. And, uh, but I also have this time where I, I get my body quiet. I get my mind quiet. And when you pray in other tongues, and we'll go here next week, when you pray in other tongues, you can become so sensitive to the spirit realm and to God. And you can sense him speaking to you. And that which is opaque, that which is unclear, 
suddenly becomes lucid and very, very plain. If you just take some time to pray in the Spirit. We'll talk about that next time. If you've got questions, bring them next time. I'm sure, I think we'll have some time to field some questions next time too. Is that good? So close your eyes, lift your hands up with me. Come on. Lord, we love you and worship you. We bless you, sir. For all of your goodness and mercy, thank you. Lord, all of us in this room, those that are watching both tonight and other times, we're all at different places spiritually. Draw us away from all the distractions of life today. And Lord, give us an intense desire to, to want you and to develop our prayer life. And just like a, a sports person develops this expertise, help us to develop the expertise of praying and hearing your voice, seeking your face, being transparent, real, and honest. Lord, there are people in the auditorium tonight. They know full well as I'm speaking. They just need to go somewhere alone and pour it out. Give them an ability. And Lord, let the walls of obstruction that have hindered closeness, let them fall down. I ask in the name of of Jesus and I just want to say thank you Lord I ask let each one of us take a, take a step towards you in our personal prayer time in the name of Jesus and so much the more as we see the day of Jesus coming back approaching in Jesus name Jesus name now Lord I ask you specifically I prayed for every person in this room today Pray for them yet again. Lord, let the, your hand, you call it the hand of the Lord. Let it come upon each person when they get before you in a quiet place and pray. In the name of Jesus. Lord, let there come in every life a closeness, an intimacy, an into me see, a break, a a, a break, a gap in the wall in the name of Jesus.